I'm Ted Britton with Raptor Beef Foreman Ranch in Palestine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the 2023 cotton crop is now going in the ground. We'll have an update on cotton crop planting progress coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We're continuing to deal with prolonged drought conditions in the Texas High Plains and our brutal winds of late are only making things worse for our farmers. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Farm Bill Concerns for the Texas Citrus Industry. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from the president of Texas Citrus Mutual on the upcoming 2023 Farm Bill on Texas Ag Today. Many Texas souls are acid souls. That is, the soil pH is less than 7. Soil acidity is caused by various environmental, climatic, and cultural factors. We will talk about why soil pH is critical for forage production. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton planters are rolling, getting the 2023 cotton crop planted. Planting is 4% complete on April 2nd. Five-year average is 5%. That's USDA's Brad Rippey, who says only two states have any cotton planted at this point. Arizona and Texas, both at 7% of the cotton planted. The five-year average in Arizona, 21%. Five-year average in Texas is 8%. So Arizona is far behind on planting cotton, while here in Texas, we're only 1% off the average pace. Rippey says California is also way behind. They haven't started planting anything yet. When you look at Arizona and California, the real reason for the delays there is just simply the fact that it has been very cool. And in the case of California, it has been excessively wet. We actually have some flooding going on in land that's typically planted to cotton in the southern part of the San Joaquin Valley. Now, we've been reporting on the condition of the Texas wheat crop here every week, but the first nationwide wheat crop ratings came out this week. Last year at this time, the first nationwide wheat ratings showed the worst wheat crop conditions in history. Rippey says this year, it's just as bad. At this point last year, the crop was 30% good to excellent and 36% very poor to poor. And now a year later, we see just 28% of this crop rated good to excellent. 36% rated very poor to poor. We see more than a third of the crop rated very poor to poor in four key states, including Kansas leading the nation 57% very poor to poor, Texas at 47%, Oklahoma 40%, 
Nebraska, 38%. Of course, the main reason for the poor quality of our Texas wheat crop is drought in the western half of the state. But that has helped to keep disease pressure under control this year, according to Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson. Disease pressure is quite low, no powdery mildew, no stripe rust, a little bit of leaf rust, but it's very isolated. So farmers aren't going to have to worry too much about the disease issue. But farmers do need to keep an eye out for insect pressure. We have had a few insect issues, such as bird cherry oat aphids, and there have been a few fields more up in the Dallas area that have been sprayed, but that's a little better wheat up in there. I would encourage farmers to keep their eyes open, though, as wheat heads out. I have noticed a few army worms. We had a few army cutworms early, but the wheat's big enough. Whatever damage they may do now, they're getting ready to pupate, and they're not going to be much of an issue, but I would keep my eyes open on the army worms. That's agronomist John Fenderson with Westbred Wheat. He recently took a tour of wheat fields through central Texas and the Rolling Plains. Farmers and ranchers are continuing to deal with drought conditions on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt says the brutal winds are only making things worse. Although things have hopefully calmed down a bit for now, we've been through another spell recently of several days with extremely high winds around the Texas High Plains, especially those 60-mile-an-hour-plus gusts that hit us on Tuesday. It's a big frustration for folks like Jared Blankenship, who farms south of Adrian. These days just really drive you crazy because we've got land blowing and you look up one minute and here comes a wall of dirt and... There's just resignation that there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. And part of what Blankenship has to resign himself to is knowing that he's losing valuable topsoil. There's no doubt that we are. Um, And that's a pattern that just probably predates all of us. We go through these cycles. But there's no doubt there's topsoil that's moving, uh, fence lines that have drifted up, and you can see it on the edges of the highways even. And as bad as you hate to see that, there's just a limit to mankind's ability to stop that process. Blankenship says on days when the wind blows so fiercely, it's often best to stay indoors and maybe do some shop work or paperwork. However, he says the issues with the winds are not the only cause for delays in getting his fields ready for the season ahead. Things are slow and kicking off, and there's any number of reasons for that, but the primary reason is we are still extremely dry. And it's just difficult for guys to go out and start doing a lot of field work on dry, hard ground. And we'll have more thoughts from Jared Blankenship about the season ahead in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas citrus industry is making its concerns known in the ongoing Farm Bill debate. Tom Nicoletti has the story. With me today is Dale Murden. He is president of Texas Citrus Mutual in the Texas Rio Grande Valley, and he was among a number of representatives from agricultural organizations at a uh, farm bill listening session in Waco recently, uh, giving their input on what they deem necessary for the upcoming debate and writing of the new 2023 farm bill. And Dale, what are some of your concerns for your industry? Specialty crops is probably one of the most diverse sectors in 
agriculture. I mean, we grow everything from artichokes to zucchini with things like citrus and potatoes in between. So there's several things we're working on. The Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance came out with their recommendations for the farm bill. Strictly speaking, as a citrus grower in South Texas, we're looking for continued funding of our emergency disease fund that, that helps fund some of the research for things like greening disease that's devastated Florida. Not necessarily money increases, but fixes to programs like the TAP Tree Assistance Program or the Emergency Conservation Program, both programs that really help our industry out after devastations like freezes and hurricanes. Your industry is so unique, certainly to Texas and even the country, that uh, it's often overlooked uh, maybe in the Farm Bill and by others. It's a good point. Crop insurance is a great example. While several of the specialty crops are offered crop insurance programs, there's 60 to 70 crops that we grow that, that are not offered these crop insurance programs. So those are also things we'd like to look to expand to help some of those growers that, that grow some of those diverse crops. The one thing we can't control is the weather, and boy, we've had our share of it here in Texas. From hurricanes to droughts to freezes, it's just been one thing after another that we're struggling to keep our head up. That's Dale Murden, president of Texas Citrus Mutual. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Many Texas soils are acidic with a pH of less than 7. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says soil pH is critical for forage production. Soil acidity reduces plant nutrient availability and increases aluminum and manganese toxicities. As pH drops below 5.5, the concentration of soluble aluminum increases and becomes toxic to plant root growth. Below pH 5.2, the concentration of manganese also increases and can become toxic. Optimal nutrient uptake by most crops occurs at a soil pH near 7. Some plants are more sensitive to acid soil conditions than others. It is important to understand which species are more sensitive to soil acidity, so limestone inputs may be made at the appropriate time. For specific crop recommendations, contact your local county extension agent. The availability of fertilizer nutrients such as nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium is generally reduced as soil pH decreases. Reduced fertilizer use efficiency and crop performance can be expected when soil acidity is not properly controlled. Timely soil sampling is important because limestone requires both soil moisture and time to neutralize soil acidity. Early sampling and limestone application several months in advance of crop growth provide time for pH adjustment. Soil pH fluctuates during the year, becoming lowest in the fall, in part because of fertilizer applications and plant removal. Under intense grass production using high rates of nitrogen fertilizer, sandy soils will rapidly increase in acidity. Soil pH should be routinely monitored as part of annual soil testing to determine crop nutrient needs. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Services Soil, Water, and Forage Testing Laboratory in College Station evaluates soil pH and provides a limestone recommendation where appropriate as part of a routine soil test. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. For more than half a year now, Texas hunters and anglers have been able to digitally tag their deer, turkey, and red drum harvests. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have an update on how that program is going coming up on Texas Ag Today. And pink eye is a major cause of disease and lost revenue in cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Mass planting season begins across the country. The American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Pink eye is a major cause of disease and lost revenue in cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says some new research may help to prevent it. Drovers.com indicates pink eye is a very contagious eye disease that causes redness, itchiness, pain, and discomfort in the eyes of infected cattle. Severe cases can result in blindness and decreased weight gain in calves, so it is painful for the animal and decreases profit for the cattleman. Scientists at the Agricultural Research Service, which is a division of the United States Department of Agriculture and the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, have sequenced and compared the genomes of a collection of variants of Moraxilla bovis, which is the bacterial organism that causes pink eye in cattle. They found DNA differences between the two major genotypes of the organism, which can potentially be used to target the disease. One of the genotypes has a toxin called the hemolysin toxin, which the bacteria uses to penetrate the eye, and the two genotypes have different versions of the toxin, which may indicate there are variations in their ability to cause disease. The researchers also identified proteins on the bacterial cell wall, and these proteins are available to the host immune system and can be targeted by vaccines. Scientists previously looked at pillin proteins in the bacteria to target in preventing the disease, but these efforts were not effective as these proteins can change or invert. The researchers sequenced bacterial strains isolated from cattle from 17 states beginning in 2018. Dr. Dustin Loy with the University of Nebraska has spent years understanding pink eye, collecting samples and testing to develop a method of prevention. The Agricultural Research Service study of pink eye goes back 58 years and started with Dr. George Washington Pugh, Jr. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. For more than half a year now, Texas hunters and anglers have been able to digitally tag their deer, turkey, and red drum harvest. Jessica Domel has an update on how that program is doing in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is considering expanding its digital tagging program. The program, which is now more than halfway through its pilot year, allows hunters and anglers to log into the My Texas Hunt Harvest app to report the harvest of mule deer, white-tailed deer, turkey, and red drum. The program gives hunters and anglers a confirmation number, which they can then stick on a piece of tape or other tag on the animal. The program is currently only open to resident super combo, senior super combo, or lifetime super combo license holders who have purchased their license online or enrolled online. Before discussing the potential expansion to the Parks and Wildlife Commission, Chris Cerny, TPWD's business analyst for the Wildlife Division, explained that the program has been successful thus far. We have currently sold more than 78,000 digital licenses of one of these three flavors of license, regular super combo, senior super combo, or lifetime hunting tag. These sales is better than 78,000 licenses, represent better than 13.6% of all of those types of licenses sold to date for this season. While we're at 13. 
1.6% overall. The bulk of those licenses sold are through the regular Super Combo, and we've actually sold better than 15% of those digitally, so it is a very popular option. Cerny said the digital program has also led to a substantial increase in harvest reporting. Comparing what we received for all of the 21 and 22 season to what we've received thus far for the 22-23 season, knowing that spring turkey is just getting underway. And you can see a substantial increase in reporting, uh, nearly fourfold. That was Chris Cerny. We'll have more on the potential expansion of the program on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw a big jump in the cattle and cotton markets Thursday to wrap up the trading week. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A big jump in the cattle market on Thursday to wrap up the trading week. Of course, the markets closed on Friday for the Good Friday holiday. We had a strong cash trade this week, and that helped to boost live cattle futures higher on Thursday with April up 267, closing at 171.07, the June up 280, 163.10, the August up 232, at 162.30. Feeder cattle seeing big gains also. April feeders jumping 280 to close the week at $200.62. The May up 330 at 205.40, with August feeders up 337, 222.60. I mentioned the strong cash trade this week. Here in Texas, we sold cattle for 170. That is four bucks higher than last week's average. When you move north, the prices get higher. Up in Nebraska, they sold cattle on a live basis as high as 177. Dressed cattle were 278 to 280. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday. Choice up a dollar 14 at 289.76. Select down 77, 277.39. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear the auctioneer sound off, it's time to hit the land passes. To land passes cattle auction and talk to Andy Baumeister. Andy, how did this Wednesday sale go? Ended up with a little over 300 today, 323 IPS. I quoted our feeder steers five to seven higher. The stalkers, I quoted them steady to maybe three lower due to quality. The cows steady to four lower on those. Bulls steady to two lower. Did have a couple little sets of wean calves today. And the guys kind of put together some groups of four and five weight cattle. We had a few six weight cattle today. Not many three weight cattle today, which was surprising compared to the last couple of weeks. 485 pound black steers, 241. 491 pound black steers, 238. Another set wean steers, 654 pounds black steers, 213. 712 pound black steers at $1.93. 475 pound black heifers at 206. 515 pound black heifers at 
at 204, 545 pound black heifers at 198, 615 pound black heifers at 192, 634 pound black heifers at $1.82. I, I was tickled with how it was today. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale. You bet. We do have some cattle maybe lined up for next week out on the south, so should have maybe a pretty good run again. Uh, watch us on the Facebook there. We do have a cow special coming up that first week of May. Got some special consignments coming. Keep an eye out for those. Lampassescattleauction.com. My cell phone, 512-902-3540. Andy Baumeister, Lampassus Cattle Auction. Thank you. You good folks on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network listening on Texas Ag Today. Thank you also. Good day to you. Back over to the futures market now where Lean Hogs finished higher on Thursday. April up 75 cents, 74.15. May Hogs up 90 cents at 82.20. Class 3 milk was mixed. The nearby April contract up 7, 18.7400 weight. With May milk down 11 cents, 17.9500. Big jump in the cotton market heading into the holiday weekend. A lower U.S. dollar and a higher Dow Jones helped to boost prices. Also, a lot of traders just squaring up positions as we head into the long weekend. Cotton really benefited from that with May up 213 points, 83.20. July cotton up 218 at 83.47. New crop December cotton up 162 points to close at 83.24 cents. The corn market dropped lower heading into the weekend on a good-looking weather forecast for the Corn Belt. The weather forecast featuring a warmer and drier trend that should allow a lot of corn to get planted as they start rolling the planters up there in the Midwest. May corn down nine and a quarter on that news at 643 and a half. July corn down seven and three quarters, 619 and three quarters, while new crop September corn was down a nickel, 564 and a quarter. Wheat market was mixed, heart wheat slightly higher, soft wheat lower. July Kansas City wheat up three cents, eight forty-six a bushel. July Chicago wheat down six and three quarters at six eighty-eight. In the energy markets, May natural gas down thirteen cents at two oh two. May West Texas crude down eight at eighty fifty-three a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up two points at 33,485. The NASDAQ up 91, 12,087, with the S&P up 14 at 4,105. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.